Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good morning, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, September 7th, 2020. Hope that you're doing well, and thank you again for listening in. Today we're going to be talking about uh, driving innovation into entertainment and some of the recent sort of technological upgrades that have happened uh, in entertainment and sports, entertainment media and sports rather. But before we get into the show, we're going to start off with our terrific sponsor and then we will get into the content of the show. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So what's the call to action today? Head, head to betonline.ag and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. So, folks, again, this is uh, Jeremy Evans. Thank you again for listening in. And um, the show this week is on driving innovation into entertainment. And this is really a fascinating topic, I think, from the standpoint that we're sort of seeing how, you know, sometimes in sort of business you have necessity that drives innovation. Sometimes you have efficiency, interest, or cost saving that drives innovation. Other times you have incentive, uh, some sort of an uh, incentive to sort of drive it, or even there's somebody's trying to invent something and then they invent something else. So sort of like this idea of inventive accidents, or you can just have a revenue driving situation, which I guess you could sort of push back to necessity. But uh, really what we're talking about is sometimes in life and business, you just have a need and, you know, sort of you, you have an invention that sort of serves that need, right? Or a development. And there's really been three uh, things that I have seen recently um, with regard to sort of innovation uh, that I think were worth highlighting. And the first is this idea of cloud-based film distribution. Now, this is something that has really kind of been under the radar, and maybe it'll, I I think part of that is because there is some sort of technological aspects to it. And I think for the most part, people don't really necessarily care how something is delivered in terms of a consumer. It's more just, okay, how do I, you know, how do I watch it? How do I listen to it? Right. They don't really care how it's delivered as long as it's delivered on time. Well, this is going to be a great thing for uh, the consumer, I think, because ultimately it's uh, a cloud-based distribution for film is something that could potentially drive costs down if things things are more safe. Uh, there's a lot of cool things that can come from this. And so really what it is, if you sort of look at the history of film distribution, it's a situation where you have 50% of the business uh, is, is sort of hard drive, right? You physically deliver a hard drive of a film. And then the sort of remaining 50%, at least in the United States, is through satellite delivery. So, you know, the film or whatever content is delivered through satellite. Now, cloud-based delivery, in my opinion, is arguably the wave of the future because it's seamless, it's immediate, it's less expensive, and frankly, it's more secure. Uh, I guess ideally you could say that maybe 
physical delivery is more secure, but even then it can get lost, it can get stolen, and, and often does. So I think ultimately with cloud-based technology, you could um, you know, really have some significant uh, um, security measures there, that sort of thing. So, and of course, I guess the really good thing about this cloud-based technology is that it can be used for other things like you know, delivery of church services, concerts, and even um, sort of drive-in movie theaters where you have, um, you know, ultimately, you know, outside events or whatever it is, festivals, these sorts of things, where it's just so much easier to do, right? So I, I think it definitely opens up some some really big opportunities there. There's a great article in the Hollywood Reporter that talks about this, and of course, you know, historically speaking, Hollywood is no stranger to innovation, and often the industry looks to technology to help streamline and improve processes and operations, and even sometimes it's the Hollywood sort of executives who come up with sort of these innovations or seek these innovations. So, uh, and if you look at history, you can see that uh, Thomas Edison um, actually invented the um, uh, the first movie camera, and that's something that helped really move the movie industry uh, to California and to Hollywood. So. Uh, there's a great piece on uh, history.com about that uh, that I definitely encourage you to check out. But, you know, again, I think Hollywood is no stranger to this. And I think it's something uh, we should all sort of keep our, um, you know, sort of collective minds on, right? The next thing I think, um, which is just as equally sort of uh, fascinating, is for the longest time, Nielsen, which is sort of the ratings company, they sort of collect data, they look at uh, where people are watching content, consuming content, that sort of thing. For the longest time, Nielsen did not measure out-of-home viewership, uh, which could be significant. You're talking about people who, you know, watch sports, you know, games or whatever from, you know, a restaurant or a bar or at work or basically anywhere from home. Now, maybe during the pandemic, that's not such a big deal, right? But I think, you know, thinking beyond that, uh, during, let's say, a normal season, you might, uh, you know, have significant numbers there. So what Nielsen has done is they've said, we're now going to include out-of-home viewership and ratings. Now, this is going to be great for uh, a couple different parties in this. Um, and we'll get into that. But you know, ultimately, it's as much as a 10% increase in measurement for out-of-home ratings when you add that on to, let's say, in-home ratings, right? So that's going to increase the bottom line and revenue for uh, those who sell copyrighted content, broadcast content. So think of, let's say, sports teams or sports leagues or uh, let's say the NCAA when you're talking about March Madness or let's say uh, universities or conferences that sort of had broadcast rights. So uh, this means that distributors like Amazon or Fox or whoever it might be, ESPN, Disney, will have to pay for more, uh, have to pay more for, for the content because the viewership numbers are higher. Now, in turn, what's going to happen is those same distributors are going to have to sell more advertisements to, um, you know, obviously um, to sort of cover that, right? Because they're going to be charged more because there's more viewers. And then, you know, so the owner of the broadcast, you know, the copyrighted content can say, this is worth more because we have higher, you know, 10% higher viewership numbers. And then that's going to obviously be push down at the advertisers who um, I'm sure will be happy to pay for it because um, 
or maybe not be happy to pay for it since those viewers were already there. But in some sense, it's just Nielsen allowing that potential for market um, to be paid for. So in the past, the argument could be made that they were getting it for free. So I think there's going to be some debate there. Uh, but I, I do agree that these folks should be counted. And, um, you know, and ultimately Nielsen is making this change. And it is fascinating that it's occurring during this time, though, right? Because the, I think, at least in the current market, there's probably more and is indeed more home viewership than there is out of home. But I, because I think the home viewership numbers were so high, maybe the focus has been on that. And so uh, from that standpoint, um, I think maybe there's less vis visibility on the out of home. And so um, it was maybe the right time to do it. We'll see how that plays out, but I think that's gonna have a significant effect on both advertisers and on networks and on broadcasters and uh, broadcasting companies and that sort of thing. And I think also there's a potential here that, you know, you know, generally like, let's say like in the NBA, for example, where you have the owners and the players splitting revenues, you know, if it was 49, 51 or whatever the percentage is that, um, you know, potentially the players will get paid more if there's more advertising dollars coming in and there's a higher price tag for the content, right? And then the last thing that we're sort of looking at is sports betting concentration. And what I mean by that is that, you know, sports betting in the past was really an anomaly, right? It wasn't something that you saw every day or experienced every day. It was really something that, you know, if you went to Las Vegas, you went to Atlantic City, or if you're at a racetrack and you're betting on the ponies, or you're at a, you know, Native American reservation in one of their casinos. And that's where you sort of had experience or engagement with, you know, gambling or betting or whatever it might be. But when the United States Supreme Court opened the door to legal gambling in 2019, really every state in the union, nearly every state in the union, uh, either rushed to pass or introduce or even just discuss some legislation to allow sports betting. So this is something that has really sort of developed and we're starting to see what that looks like and what the landscape landscape is playing out to be. But you look at like Arizona State University, for example, you can do 50-50 raffles from your comfort of your, you know, your home, watching the game on your couch. And if, for those folks who don't know, 50-50 raffles are essentially where it's a non-taxable um, revenue where you know, you have people show up to a game or watching from home, whatever it might be. And if they put in money to the raffle, they have a chance to win, you know, essentially 50% of the, the money that's collected in total. And the other 50% goes to uh, Arizona State uh, to one of their charities or whatever it might be. So uh, that's something that's grown. And again, Arizona State allows that from, uh, from home, the university does. So there's other schools that do it. And it's sort of an interesting um, thing, but of course, now we're also seeing individual teams uh, sign sports betting uh, brand partnerships where initially it was just sort of, you know, leagues, but now we're seeing teams do it. And of course, athletes are doing it as well. Um, you know, I've definitely seen some athletes sign some of these sort of brand partnerships and, and it's, it's a fascinating development when it comes to where sports betting was to where it is now and where it's going. 
Now, initially during this sort of pandemic, we saw a slump uh, when it came to sports betting, but that has grown. And especially as more at-home options have become available, as sports have come back, and really the, the main driver there is when sports came back, uh, baseball, you know, uh, basketball and uh, soccer and hockey, and then of course football in the fall, which is, uh, you know, generally the biggest betting sport. So we definitely have uh, an uptick there uh, in sports betting. And I think as the economy continues to grow, we're going to see more of that. Um, so again, these are all fascinating things. And, and I think in some sense, the normalization of sports, the seeing more of it, um, the more normalization of sports betting in particular has led to its concentration, meaning that the more normal, normal it seems, the more people and businesses are involved in it. And so there's a concentration in that sense. So uh, as, as a bit of a recap, this uh, episode, we were talking about, um, you know, driving innovation into entertainment. And what we're really talking about there is um, sort of three things that have happened um, with regard to innovation and this idea that um, innovation can come from efficiency, it can come from necessity, it can come from just looking to drive revenue. And I think uh, all of these three things that we discussed today toward, look towards that. You know, you look at cloud-based film distribution, you look at um, Nielsen adding out-of-home viewership, and you look at sports betting increasing. These are all things that are going to help uh, and have driven innovation into entertainment, media, and sports. And it's something that I uh, would consider to continue and to grow. And... Uh, it's 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 definitely going to be a fascinating time, you know. And, and with this cloud-based technology, this is something again that's been under the radar. I don't think this is something that a lot of people are going to pay much attention to, unless you're sort of like an industry insider and you're really you know fascinated with this stuff. But uh, cloud-based technology, uh, with regard to delivering film, I mean, again, this is could potentially be a game changer when you're talking about you know adding in. Um, you know, uh, easier delivery, cheaper delivery, you know, these sorts of things, uh, and, and safer delivery. Um, and again, with the new analytics model with Nielsen, I think there you're going to find that uh, prices are going to go up and you're having more home viewership. And, um, you know, now that you're counting this out of home viewership, and especially when uh, the pandemic passes, you're going to have a situation where people are obviously going to go back out again. There's going to be a surplus of that. There's going to be people who are sort of uh, inkling to get out of their house, right? So you're going to see that increase. You're going to see advertisers having to pay more to um, sell and product and services. And you're going to see broadcasters who own content and athletes potentially make some uh, additional monies there. And then, of course, sports betting is just something that's continuing to grow, continuing to see new places, see new brand partnerships. So uh, these are all... Uh, very interesting things. And uh, thank you again, folks, for listening in. This was episode 36 of season two on Believe in Sports Law. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. And I really do appreciate you listening in and look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.